good to be back again. It's just like learning to ride the bike again after a few weeks off. But it's great to be here in the house of the Lord. Jesus is here. Okay, I got a better response when I said that to myself at home. So please make me feel at home. Jesus is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just as well because without Him, we are nothing. But everything we do today is because of Him. And uh, we're going to start our series this month and we'll move into the month of December on Anointed to Love. And in December, particularly, relationships are highlighted, good and bad. The, um, the mad auntie comes to dinner, the grumpy uncle, the family that no one wants to invite but has to invite. There's all sorts of pressures and challenges that are highlighted, that were always there, but they're highlighted when we have to bring everyone together and pretend that everything's okay. And so God wants to teach us how to do relationships well. And everything begins, every relationship that we enter into begins with our relationship with Jesus. And I want to begin this series very simply about talking about how to be grounded in love. Because here's the thing, if we don't get our love relationship right with Jesus, we'll never do relationships well with each other. Jesus is designed to be our primary relationship. If He's not, we turn secondary relationships into primary relationships and we set them up to fail. I was never designed to be your primary relationship, nor you to me, your husband, your wife, Nothing else can take the place of Jesus. And whenever we exalt people into the place that only Jesus can fill, we set them up and ourselves up for incredible disappointment. Love must first be discovered in the heart of Jesus. And when I discover His love for me and my love for Him, love begins to flow. I must first be grounded in His love to be able to love anybody. I am useless to you and you're useless to me until we first discover the love of the Father and the Son towards us. If there's depletion in our life, it's not going to be filled by physical relationships. It's only filled by God. In Him is life. That abundant life that we crave, it's not found in a person, in a job, in money. It's found in Jesus. So we're going to open the Word of the Lord today, which is exciting. Why is it exciting? Because see this Bible. You may have a Bible today, and I encourage you to open it. If you have your Bible on your phone, do me a favor. If you can bear it, turn your Wi-Fi off. Turn everything else off so you can t concentrate on the Word today. There's no point having the Word on and messages popping up on Facebook and this and that. If you, if, if you can't control your phone, then bring a Bible. This is our time where we give our undivided attention to the Word of the Lord, which is going to transform us. See, this Bible is a gateway into the spirit realm. It tells me the reality of the spirit versus the reality of how I feel and what I observe around me. This shows me who I truly am. Everything else is, is, is defining me by what the natural sees. And the Bible, as I'll talk about in a minute, talks about that means that you're carnal, that you're taking all your, all your, all your information from the, the senses. But this Bible... The Word of the Lord begins to reveal who we truly are on the inside. It's a gateway 
into reality. Isn't that exciting? So if you've not picked up your Bible all week, you don't know who you are. You're taking all your messages from a world that doesn't know the truth. Jesus said, my words are truth and they are life. So if you're lacking reality today, it's we're going to sort that out today. We're going to open the word of the Lord and we're going to discover how to be grounded in love. Amen. So why don't you open your Bibles up today to Ephesians 3.14. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you so much. You may not feel love today, but can I say it kindly? That doesn't really matter how you feel. God loves you. God's always going to love you. God's going to passionately pursue you all the days of your life here on earth. God loves you. So Paul prays, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the language here, to our Father. God is our Father. When Jesus came to earth, He revealed God to humanity in a whole different way. He is our loving Father. From whom the whole family, hear the words, Father, family. We're His family. In heaven and on earth is named. And I pray that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. To be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. The inner man is talking about the realm of our soul, which is renewed, Paul says in 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, renewed day by day. Paul's praying that we would get strengthened with might in our inner man. Then he prays in, in verse 17, I pray that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. Christ dwells in your spirit right now. If you're born again, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in your spirit. You can't get any more of God or any less. As Andrew Womack says, one third of you is wall to wall God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit in their perfection. No matter what you do, you can never grow in your Christian walk. And you need to know today in the spirit, in your spirit, your spirit, soul and body, in the spirit part of you is perfection. Christ already dwells in your spirit. All the love of God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit is in your spirit right now. But Paul's praying that what's in your spirit will begin to flow over. What's in your spirit will begin to flow over into your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That Christ would dwell in that realm by faith. Not by your feelings, but by faith. That Christ would dwell in your mind, your will, and your emotions by faith. Not by feelings. Say with me, not by feelings. I don't feel loved. I don't feel loved. I don't even look like I'm loved. I've never been loved. Paul says, I'm praying today for you that you would understand that Christ wants to move from your spirit into your soul by faith. And he would dwell there in all his love and his goodness. That you would be rooted and grounded in love. Did you hear that? And then he goes on to say, I want you to discover the multi-dimensions of God's love in your soul. That you would be rooted and grounded in love. 
So every part of your mind, think about that. Every thought that you have, every part of your will, every decision, your ability to choose, every part of your emotions would be grounded and rooted in love. Wouldn't that be amazing? And he says, I pray that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. So faith is the vehicle that takes everything that's in my spirit, that is a reality, and brings it in to the realm of my soul. We live in a world that is bombarded with all sorts of feelings. In fact, if you go to most churches this weekend, if you were able to, to transport to every church in Australia, no doubt the song leader, the pastor, somebody will be addressing negative emotions in the body of Christ. No doubt you've got discouragement and depression and God loves you and, and, and it seems like there's a constant message going out to treat God's people because they are bombarded and assaulted with all sorts of feelings of hopelessness, of despair, of discouragement, of confusion, of not feeling loved. And everything around us seems to validate that. People don't treat us well and so we're, we're consumed with these feelings. But at the same time, there's a spiritual reality about the, us that exists. And Paul says that if you and I are moved more by our feelings than the spiritual truth of what God says about us, he says that we're carnal. Right. See, carnal's not that you, so much that you, you know, you tell dirty jokes and you read things that you shouldn't and you go to wrong movies. And it's carnal people are those that are motivated and moved and propelled more by what they feel and the sense realm than by what the Word of God says about them to be true. So we have a whole generation of Christians that many of them have been manipulated by their feelings and not by the truth. So they're not grounded in love. So their feelings are dictating how they behave rather than the truth of what God says about them, then beginning to flow over into who they are. Romans 8, 6 says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you are controlled by how you feel, by what you observe, by what people say and do to you, the Bible says you're carnally minded, and that brings death. But to be spiritually minded, that means to choose to believe what God says about you in your spirit to be true and allow that reality to come into your soul. He says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight, feelings and sense. John 6, 63 says, It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. You're not going to get any advancement by keeping your eyes focused on external stimulus. The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. What, what, what's John saying? You won't find any reality by looking outside trying to define who you are. No reality. Your feelings will not always give you reality. The flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives life. The words I speak to you, they're spirit and they are life. See, this is what gives you life. When I'm feeling like, you know what? I open the word up and it's a window, it's a gateway into reality. And I be, oh, that's right, Lord, you do love me. I don't feel loved today. We all wake up and, and I don't feel loved. I don't feel good. 
I can't even see any hope for my future. It's external. The enemy's coming. Sometimes he's bombarding us with thoughts or people aren't kind to us or we just don't feel well. Maybe it's a chemical imbalance. You know, we ate too many hot dogs before we went to bed. And so we wake up not feeling great. But the word of God is a gateway into reality and I remind myself. And then as I do that, I'm grounded and rooted in love. My feelings come into, into line with the word of God. My feelings will always follow what I believe to be true. You're not dominated by feelings. Feelings are just an indicator of what you believe. Luke 17, 1-5. Jesus throws a bit of a curly one to his disciples and he talks about forgiveness. And that, you know, if your brother sins against you, he's, you know, he, really, he's got this, it's part of the kingdom uh, reality that he's allowed to come to you and repent up to seven times in a day. And the disciples are like, oh, flip. Really? Relationships are tough. Someone sins against us, our feelings, they, they go haywire. Feelings of anger and feelings of, of payback and conjuring ways to make them feel bad about it. And he's saying that someone could come and do that to you seven times. I don't know about you, but that's, that's completely impossible. When somebody rips me off and hurts me, it can take days to get over it. And you're saying you want, you want me to live in such a way that they could do it seven times in a day? And that's why the disciples said, Lord, you better increase our faith. <laughs> And Jesus said, if you have faith, and why don't you turn with me to Luke 17, 5. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed. So he's saying, it's not a faith problem. You could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So Jesus is dismissing the issue of faith. It's not a faith problem. Here's the truth, that every one of us have been given, listen carefully, the faith of Jesus himself. When you were born again, you were giving the faith of Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. goes for women as well. Old is past, all has become new. We have the faith of Jesus given to us before we're born again. You didn't have faith to believe. He gave you his faith. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy is there faith in there as well? So that's the fruit of the Spirit, is His faith. So you don't have an issue of faith. You're being given the very same measure of faith that Jesus had, that Paul had, that Peter had. It's not a faith problem. The moment you get born again, you have faith. Amen. I'll tell you what the problem is. It's like when your sense ruled... Unbelief filters into your life and it counteracts everything that faith wants to accomplish in your life. The moment you're born again, you want to please God. You want to walk in his ways. But we are so prone to walk by sight and not by faith. And so Jesus said, verse 7, Which of you having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, would say to him when he's coming to the field, Come at once, sit down to eat. 
But will he not say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself and serve me? Say, serve me. Serve me. Say it louder. Serve me. Right. It's important you say that. And when I've eaten and drunk and had a good time, then you can eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things commanded him? I don't think so. What's Jesus saying here? I, I believe, and this is just my take, I've not read it anywhere else, I believe Jesus is talking about our feelings and the sense realm. They are to serve you. When your feelings and the sense realm don't serve you, it will always undermine what faith wants to produce in your life. And so what Jesus is saying, that the sense realm should serve faith, faith should not serve the sense realm. And when Father has done his job in speaking to me and, and telling me who I am and how I am to live, then I can enjoy the sense realm. The sense realm doesn't define me. Faith in what God says about me defines me. We're not to live void of the sense realm. We're part of the world. But I must get what God says about me first before I can enjoy functioning in the world around me. And when I understand that God loves me, when somebody has sinned against me seven times and I'm rooted and grounded in love, what they do to me cannot change me because I'm rooted and grounded in love. He's my primary source, not you. And you, keep, you can keep dipping for my well of love and it doesn't matter because my father is constantly replenishing my love throughout the day. I'm in this and I'm diving into the spirit realm and reminding myself, though all should forsake me, father, you will never forsake me. What can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation, persecution Nothing can separate me. Holy Spirit, you shed abroad the love of the Father in my heart. And throughout the day, I'm constantly being refilled so people can take from me. And I'm not empty. Yeah, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, turn with me there. I love this, this verse. It's helped me so much. Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. I read that one day and the Lord said to me, Andrew, this is exactly what I'm talking about, about the sense realm. See, sadness, fear, discouragement, thoughts of nobody loves me, I'm not loved by God, I'm never going to achieve anything, all the e-all mentality that we all embrace at times, they come as a false prophet. They say to us, you're feeling sad. Therefore, it's a sign that nobody loves you. Can you see it? Feelings, emotions can be a false prophet. They say, because you're feeling this way, it's proof that nobody loves you. Feelings aren't bad. God designed us to have feelings and emotions. But they're designed to express his reality, not a false reality. And just because you have many of our feelings are false prophets. They're prophesying an outcome of our life that's not true. You wake up feeling sad and they say, you'll be sad the rest of the day. And it's a sign that God has forsaken you and no one loves you. Jesus said, beware of false prophets because they come in sheep's clothing. They pander to you. Oh, isn't it so sad? 
Nobody loves you. You know what? Everyone else has got all the skills and the gifts in the world, but you, God left you shortchanged. And they look like they were, they feel like they're so true because we have developed a lifestyle that is nursed and encouraged these feelings. So they feel right, but they're not true. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. So beware of them. They will turn on you and they have an appetite that cannot be satisfied. You nurture these feelings and they will, they will take you out. You feed them for a day and, and, and thoughts of sadness turn into thoughts of discouragement, into thoughts of depression. Because you entertain lies. Emotions are reflective of what we believe. But they're not necessarily reflective of what is true. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. If you're constantly feeling sad and depressed, it's a sign that, that that fruit is a sign of a bad tree. And what's a bad tree? It's always a picture in the Bible of a belief system. Constant sadness, constant introspection and feelings of, of hopelessness, it's a sign that you've built a belief system that's not true. Yeah. We'll all experience sadness and pain in our life. It's, you know, in, in this world you have tribulation, but you weren't designed to live like that for all of your life. So Jesus said, bad fruit, bad tree. What lies am I believing about myself that's causing me to feel this way? Lord, I want to be grounded in love. Hmm. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace. That's shalom, shalom. Whose mind is stayed on you. See, emotions always follow thoughts. If you keep your mind stayed on Jesus, you will have perfect peace. If you keep your mind stayed on TV and all the garbage of this world, too much time on Facebook, too much time reading garbage, then you will have issues in your life. It's not rocket science. He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. Well, if God loved me, I'd feel it. Not necessarily all the time. John 3, 1 John 3, 19 says that we have to assure our hearts before him Did you hear that? It's an interesting scripture. John says that you and I have to assure our hearts before him. We have to coach our soul into the truth. Because you won't always feel like God loves you. I don't wake up every day with this amazing revelation that God loves me. You know, there's not an angel always sitting on the end of my bed with a harp singing songs of God's love for me. So I have to Assure my heart before him. Because we are surrounded by negative input. We're surrounded by 
all sorts of things going on in our life that are attacking our heart, causing us to believe a lie. So John says, assure your heart before him. Create confidence. And we do that through the word. See, the spirit realm is reality. The spirit realm is the parent force to all reality. In the beginning, God. So God existed before the world. So what is true in my spirit is a greater reality than what is true in the flesh. The flesh always has to bow its knee to the parent force, which is the spirit. If I get a revelation of what I am in the spirit, it will always transform what I am outside me. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 that the kingdom of God is is within us. Say it with me. The kingdom of God is within me. He's given you a clue that if you keep searching out there, you're going to miss it. We have to search in here. The Word of God is a window into the spirit realm that says who I am. And when I discover that, I begin to be rooted and grounded in the realm of my soul. Two disciples walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. They were overcome with grief because they have just seen a whole lot of stuff in the natural. They were burdened. Jesus said, Luke 24, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Emotions are reflective of what we believe, but they're not always reflective of what is true. They are sad because they believe Jesus is dead and he's walking alongside of them. Can you not see the amazing instruction that gives to us? You can believe something is so true and yet you can be so wrong. They are walking with the Son of God, sad, talking about the hopelessness of what has just taken place and the Son of God, the risen Son of God, is walking with them. What about us throughout the day? We can be so consumed by feelings and what we're experiencing and and seeing, but the truth can be totally the opposite. So Jesus takes them through the prophets and shows them the scriptures. What is he doing? He's opening the word and inviting them into the realm of truth. And as they begin to see that, he disappears in front of them. Because he doesn't want them focused on the sense realm. Now listen to me. We're almost finished. Turn with me to John chapter 20. This is a great passage. If you've got your Bible, please open to this. John 20 verse 14. This is another example of someone being right next to Jesus and not seeing. Truth can be inside you and you not see it. And so you can be living a whole other way. You can be so depressed and so sad, but the truth can be so different. John 20, 14. Mary's just seen the angels. She's crying. Weeping because they... She can't find Jesus. 
She's just finished communicating with the angel and she, it says, and now when she said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there and she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus is inside you today, but so many Christians don't know he's there. He's there as the God that loves them, that will never forsake them, the God who's for them. But they are so driven by the sense realm and feelings that they don't know he's here. They live a whole day not recognizing that Jesus loves them and is for them and is, he, he wants to be their solution yeah. to every problem they face. He wants them to be grounded in love, this revelation of God's love for them. So Jesus said to her, listen, you, you, when you read the Bible, you've got to look for clues because there's plenty of them. Listen with me. Jesus said to her, woman. That's interesting. Not Mary, woman. Her unbelief was hindering how God would speak to her. When you are consumed by the flesh and by the sense realm, not even God will be able to speak to you in a way that you can hear. Because a woman. So that's not there by chance. Jesus is showing her something. You are cutting me out of the equation because you are overwhelmed with grief and emotion and I don't function in that realm. He says, why are you weeping? And that word weeping is to wail and to sob. It's like, cut it out. Stop, stop. That's a picture of many of our lives. It's like, okay, stop. Just stop. Remember I preached the sermon about Hagar when she was crying and her son was under the tree and the angel came to the boy and not to her. Why? Because the boy is the promise. God never comes to us in our pain. He comes to us in the promise. When we hold on to the promise, God can't speak to us. So he comes to the boy because the boy is a promise and he says to Hagar, leave your pain and embrace the promise. And as soon as Hagar picks up the boy, she sees her provision. God doesn't speak to us when we're consumed with our problem. He speaks to us when we're consumed with the promise because the promise leads us into the spirit reality where God can speak. The devil wants you acquainted with the pain and the, and the burdens and the feelings. And Yes, I know that in the world that we have these, but so many of us nurture these and we wonder why we can't hear God speak. So he says, woman, woman, whom are you seeking? Do you know that word seeking means to worship? Woman, who are you worshipping right now? Are you worshipping me or your pain? Woman, I can't speak to you. I can't even speak to you in in, in the way that I should speak to you because you have cut me out of the equation. She was looking for a dead Jesus to confirm what her senses were revealing. That's why she couldn't see him. Jesus can't appear to me in this form because he's dead. My senses tell me he's dead. So there's no answer that Jesus can provide because he's not dead. He's alive. She supposed him to be the gardener. Is that verse 16? So she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. She supposed Jesus to be the gardener. Why? Because she's in the garden. That's why. 
She's relegating Jesus to her painful story. She's consumed by the garden and the surrounds of all the pain. So when Jesus comes in, she's relegating him or putting him into her pain. So now Jesus becomes against her. Jesus is part of the, of the equation of all those that don't love me because they are feeling sense-driven. That's why she thinks he's a gardener because that's all she can see is the garden and the hopelessness. If you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. I wrote here over this verse, unbelief will attempt to swallow Jesus up into the narrative of my pain. Unbelief is an overdose of the sense realm and it will attempt to swallow Jesus up in the narrative and the story of my pain. So when Jesus is speaking to me, all I am doing through my sense-driven nature is bringing Jesus into that equation and he's not dead, he's alive. And Jesus said, this this is the kicker. Listen to this. When I saw this, it's like, wow. And Jesus said to her, listen, not woman, Mary. And she turned. What does that tell me? Uh, Isaac, come here. Isaac, just stand here. That's Mary. So I probably should have got a girl, shouldn't I? He calls a woman. But it says, but Jesus then said to her after this story, Mary, and she turned. So turn around. Jesus said, Mary, and then she turned. So when Jesus, turn around. Listen. So when Jesus spoke, just turn around. So when Jesus spoke to Mary, what did she, where was she positioned to Jesus? Away. Mary was not looking at Jesus when Jesus said Mary. Jesus said Mary, and then Mary turned. Sit down. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus waits till Mary can't see him. And then he calls her Mary. Because he didn't want Mary using her eyes that were so fixed on the flesh and on sense realm. He wants Mary to look with her heart. Mary! She can't see him, so she has to hear her name with her heart. And it's when she hears Jesus deep in her heart, she turns around and she says, Rabboni, teacher. In other words, the one that reveals the truth. So Jesus is saying to us that I don't want you walking around using your natural eyes to perceive me. He waits till her back is turned to him and then he speaks not to her eyes but to her heart. And so many times Christians are looking for Jesus with their eyes, with their sense realm. Jesus doesn't speak in the sense realm. Jesus speaks to our heart. Mary, he calls us by name. 
She turns and she sees him and all of a sudden she sees the truth. This is what turned Mary around forever. God's wanting to turn his church around so we don't walk by sight but by faith. That we're not looking in the natural and not defining Jesus by the circumstances of the day but by the truth that's in our heart. That we go deeper than just the flesh and we lock into what God says about us in the deep recesses of our heart. That we allow God to ground us and root us in love. I've had days that out of zero to ten are like minus ten. And it does me no good to tell you what has happened. But we go look deeper with the eyes of our heart and see his unrelenting love for us. As we turn our back, really she was turning her eyes away. She was turning off her sense realm so Jesus could speak to our heart. It's when we begun, begin to discover reality that's deeper and greater than anything that the world can conjure up. To be rooted and to be grounded in love. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I choose to believe the evidence of things not seen is that in my spirit, I choose to believe because of what God says that I'm joined to the Lord and I'm one spirit. That his love for me is unending, that he gave, God gave his son for me as a picture of his love for me. He spared not his son for me. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. I believe with all my heart that in my spirit, God resides with all his love. And faith is the evidence of that. You say, well, you can't see it. You can't prove it. Well, maybe not in the sense realm, but I know more than anything else in this world, God loves me. And that is a greater reality than, than you sitting in your chair because the spirit realm is the parent force to the physical. So my evidence is faith tells me that my Father lives inside me in His fullness. And I believe that. That's how you got born again. You believed a story about a Savior that came 2,000 years ago that loved you, that gave His life for you. And you said, I believe. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And you chose by faith to receive the work of the cross and everything changed. And as we begin in our Christian walk in faith, so we walk that, that life in every other area, his love and his provision for me. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. What does that mean? So then my faith takes that reality in the spirit and it builds a bridge between the spirit and my outer world, it is the substance of things hopeful. It takes the reality of the spirit and it brings it over. So how do I do that? So I use the word of the Lord. I begin to proclaim what is true in my spirit. I say, Lord, I believe that. I believe that you love me. And let that love that's in my spirit now begin to flow through every realm of my soul into my outer world. Faith is now bringing substance from my spirit realm into my world, it's the, it's, faith is a substance of things hoped for. So I draw from my spirit 
and I begin to picture myself, that's what hope is, I begin to picture myself in the future totally transformed. I see myself as a lover of God. So I'm taking from that realm and I'm placing it into that realm. I'm saying, God, I'm going to be a man that knows how to love. People are going to enjoy my love. I'm going to attract people because I'm now drawing from your love and I'm bringing that into my world. And I confess each day that Andrew McGrath is a lover of God. Andrew is loved by God and I'm drawing on your love and I'm bringing it into my present, into my future and you are shaping my future. No longer is my future pictured with hopelessness and despair. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. I want this to be so practical for you that as you go home you can say, God, I'm taking from the reality of the Spirit. Even though I can't see it, I believe your word to be true and I bring that into my realm. Lord, change my mind, my will, my emotions. Let your love flow into that. And Father, you said faith is a substance of things hoped for. So as I look into my future, I see with glistening hope. I see, Lord, a future where love shapes everything I do. Paul prayed that we would be rooted and grounded in love. That we wouldn't be driven by the sense realm. But we would be men and women of the spirit that are rooted and grounded in love. So why don't you lift up your hands with me today. Father, we thank you for your word. We love your word. It's life to us. And I'm praying for every wonderful believer here today. You love them. Craig, God loves you so much. Mary, God loves you with everlasting love. Robin, God loves you. Hayden, God loves you. Edward, God loves you. I could go right through. Jerry, God loves you. Joan, God loves you. With an everlasting love. And I'm asking, Father, that every single person here would, not be, no, would no longer be driven like a double-minded man, unstable in all these ways by our feelings, by the sense realm, but we would be rooted and grounded in love. That we will come back to the reality and the truth of your word that God is love. And Lord, in our spirit realm, in, in our born again spirit, we are new creations, born anew, filled with your love, marked by you, sealed by the spirit. And so we ask, Father, the reality of your love would flow through our spirit into every realm of our being that we would not be like the two disciples that turned Jesus into some strange man because they were overwhelmed by the grief and the pain of their day. I'm asking for those that are struggling with pain and grief and overindulgent senses and feelings. Lord, we just submit all of those to your truth. Would you speak your truth over us, Lord? Would you speak your promises over us today? Lord, where we've allowed feelings to go out of control, Lord, we say we no longer want to be carnal. We want to be people of the Spirit. So I pray, heal every heart. And as we begin this series on anointed to love and we learn how to do life with each other, may everything come out of, our, out of the flow of love that you have for us. Father, I release the Spirit of love over your people today. Baptize them in your love. The awareness of your love, I pray in Jesus' name. 
And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.